We are better together. Clownfish and anemones have a mutually beneficial relationship. The anemone offers protection, and the fish keeps the anemone clean from bacteria. God created us each with a special purpose. When we do our part, all benefit. I need what you have to offer, and you need me to do my part. We are each unique and important, and we are infinitely better together. All right, so if, you, uh, if you're a guest with us today, or if you were here last week, um, we're doing a new series called This Is My Story. And uh, we're going to be, that's why they've got the couches and all this kind of stuff. Um, we're going to be sharing, uh, basically, our stories of how God has worked in our lives over these past few weeks. And so uh, last week, my, my wife Anna and I got a chance to share our story. Um, and, and the reason we're doing this is that our mission here isn't just to, uh, you know, build deep roots. You know, you see it on the front of your program. It says, from root to fruit. When we teach from the Bible and things like that, it helps us get rooted in, in the Word of God and be strong and know what we believe, which is really important. Um, and we need to do that, obviously. It's what keeps trees vertical, you know, is, is the roots um, when, when wind blows and storms come. But that's not the only reason that we're a church. We, we're, we gather together. It's the only reason we're Christians is so that we can go bear fruit. You know, trees that don't bear fruit, Jesus says, they're good for firewood. You cut them down and you burn them. Uh, our lives aren't just about us. We're meant to give to other people and, and, and bear fruit. Um, and the reality is that this church doesn't exist just for us in this room. We actually exist. Churches are one of those organizations, we say it a lot, that exist for the benefit of our non-members. So we're here for everybody that's not here, right? That, that doesn't know Jesus, like that doesn't know how much God loves them. This is the story of God, and we want people to know that story, there's towns and cities and homes filled with people who have no idea how much God loves them and the priceless gift he wants to give them. And the reason we want to share our stories um, is we want to encourage you to go share your story. Like, you have stories. We all have stories. And so what we're doing here is kind of modeling our stories as well as being a source of encouragement. Remember, we talked last week that the word for, another word for sharing your story is testimony. And that word testimony comes from a word that means do it again. Like when we share a testimony, we're saying not only is this my story, but I believe God can do this again. God has done it before and he's going to do it again. And so it will encourage us to hear each other's stories, but also sort of it encourages us to go share our own story. And uh, we're going to be challenging you over these next few weeks. Hey, please go tell somebody the story of God in your life. And there's really something powerful about story. And I want to read, um, I want to read a passage from chapter, from John, um, because what makes our stories so powerful, one of the things is that, um, they're true. Unless you're a really good storyteller, right? Unless you stretch the truth or fabricate it. But, um, sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction, right? Like you just have to, it's powerful when you tell the truth. And there's a story in John about a man who was, um, uh, he was blind, and Jesus heals him, and the religious leaders don't believe it. They don't believe it at all. Um, so they actually interview the man. So the, in the scriptures here, I'm going to read it. It says this, Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Okay, this is after Jesus heals him. He had been, now he's not. All right, go ahead. And it says, Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made mud, Jesus made some mud and actually put it on his eyes and washed it off, and that's when he can see. Um, pretty miraculous thing. And it says, The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, uh, well, this is my story. He put mud on my eyes. Oh, whoa, back. He put mud on my eyes, 
And when I washed it away, I could see. What a story. Seriously, that's the, but that's the truth. That's a weird story. Did he make anything up? No. Okay, but what happens? Verse 16, here we go. It says, some of the Pharisees says, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division of opinion. So they don't even believe the guy's story. He's telling the truth. They don't believe it. All right, next verse. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind, demanded, what's your opinion about the man who healed you? And they said, I don't know, know. he must be a prophet. Sounds good to me. I couldn't see, now I can. I think he's from God. All right, verse 18. It says, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. They said, let's call his parents in. I think he's, he's making it up. He wasn't really blind in the first place. That's what they say. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? All right. Verse 20. His parents replied, I'm pretty sure that's my kid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's my son. And yes, he was really blind. Okay. I'll give you that. Yes, he was really blind. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. All right. Verse 22. His parents said it's because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders here, who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled. So they're terrified that if they actually go on the record as saying he's really from God, that they're going to be in trouble with the church and get excommunicated. And there goes, you know, there goes the family business. Okay, so verse 23. That's why they said he's old enough. Ask him. Verse 24. Keep going. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind, told him, God should get the glory for this because it couldn't be Jesus because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He's just a, an ordinary man. And I love this, and this is the last verse. I love this. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I see. That's my story. I'm sticking with it, right? That's my story. I couldn't see. Now I can. You deal with it. That's your problem, but that's my story. All right? See, when you tell your story, here's the best part. You don't have to make anything up. Mark Twain said, if you, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. <laughs> Some of you get it. Like, <laughs> when you tell the truth, you don't have to make up stuff. This is my story. This is it. You don't, and here's the thing. When you tell your story, the great news, you don't have to have all the answers. Well, what about how? how? I don't know. I don't know how. All I can tell you is I was like this, and now I'm like this. Dark, now I see you. Didn't see you, now I see you. That's my story. I don't know what you want me to tell you about the guy who put mud on my face, but now I can see. All right? You just need to tell what you know. And the power in the truth of what you experienced is undeniable. Like, this is just your story, and you don't have to make anything up. And so we just want to encourage you as you share your stories, don't feel pressure to make stuff up. Just tell what you know. And honestly, that's enough. That's enough. So today we're going to call out Pastor Kevin and, and, and Nikki Holt, and uh, they're going to come, and I'm going to interview them today, and they're going to you guys come grab some seats. And uh, would you welcome Pastor Kevin and Nikki today? I have a tissue for Kevin, just in case. Yeah, I know Kevin's going to yeah. cry. We know this. We I, know this. I actually will was going to say, I don't see a tissue box on the yeah, table. I'm a little nervous about here. that. But. So you guys have been married a long time, so... 
Um, yes. Yeah, so we're going to interview them, and this is supposed to be a coffee shop. It's really dim on the picture, but pretend we're just in a casual setting here. Okay, and uh, so, uh, Kevin, Nikki, thank you for being with us today. And uh, isn't ask you first, um, tell us about your life, uh, you know, growing up. What was life like as a child for you guys? Just give us a you know, brief background on kind of where you guys come from. So I was born and raised in Syracuse, New York. <laughs> and I used to say words like Calen- calendar, I can't even do it anymore, calendar and talented, and Kevin would always make fun of me for that. And I used A to say... calendar, and you're talented, not talented. And I used to say um, elementary instead of elementary. Uh, but I don't do that anymore because I was ridiculed by a certain person in college for that. Um, I won't mention any names, though. And um, anyway, I grew up in Syracuse, and I come from a family of nine children. I am the second oldest, so I have an older brother, and then there's me. And then I have four brothers in a row, and then I had three sisters. So that's, um, growing up, we didn't really have much, and we had a lot of struggles um, financially and otherwise, but it was not an easy upbringing. Um, <clears throat> so I was born in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, which is near Scranton, electricity. Um, and I did a, lot, did a couple years in New Jersey, but uh, I would say I did a lot of my primary years in Pittsburgh. So go Steelers. Mm-hmm. Go Penguins. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, Dan? I don't care about hockey. Yeah, I know you don't. Um, I see a lot of people shaking their heads. They're like, oh. all right. So... Um, yeah, I am the youngest of three kids. I have two older sisters, and I don't know if Vonnie's here today or not. She's in, she's, she's in preschool. She's in, yeah, she's not playing hooky today, so that's good. Just kidding. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I had a good family, um, mom and dad, who uh, loved us so much and took good care of us. And, um, yeah, it was a great, great childhood. You know, there were some... Um, some moments here and there financially and just other stuff, but uh, we were always provided for. And, um, and my, yes, thank you. Uh, my dad is a pastor, so I grew up pretty much in the church from the time I was born uh, until now. And, uh, but it was great. I had a great childhood. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Except for the Pittsburgh part. But no, that's that was the best part. <laughs> so... Uh, like, what influence did your family, you know, anybody, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, have on you, you know, in, in terms of your faith growing up? You know, what influence did, how did your family influence faith for you as a kid? You know, did you have any, was there any, you know, impression there? Did you go to church? You know, just tell us a little bit about what that was like for you. For me, my family started going to church when I was about five years old, so, and from then on, uh, they raised me, you know, going to church and, that was a big deal for me. And looking back, I didn't really grow up thinking, ooh, I want to sing or ooh, I want to play the piano. And when I was about almost 12 years old, I, I think my dad came to me and was like, oh, do you want to take piano lessons? And I was like, oh, sure. And never knowing how much music would really impact my faith and impact my life. So I owe a great deal to my parents for paying for my lessons and getting me involved in music because it wasn't even on my radar, but, it, I mean, it's been such a big part of my life. 
Yeah, I think it's pretty cool if you don't know. Nikki's dad was a pretty good musician, too. Yeah, he's in a classic rock band. He's a great drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Drumming's in the family. Yeah. So. All right, Kev, how about you? Drumming for Jesus. <laughs> That's an old story. Anyway, uh, so uh, the question was, remind me. Yeah, I know it was so long ago. What influence My did family. your parents have on your faith? Or family, just, yeah. So I, I guess I come from a, um, a lineage of pastors. There's a number of pastors in my family um, on my dad's side. And then um, not so much on my mom's side. But my um, my parents were very influential in um, in bringing, bringing me to God and, and being a great example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And... Um, yeah, they were great. And I, I would say my grandparents were definitely beneficial or in, influential in that as well. Uh, and then just being raised in the church, uh, you see uh, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. But uh, I would say that I have a lot more good memories. And, um, you know, it takes a village, they say, to raise a kid. And um, I definitely felt that. I have so many... Uh, Heroes of the faith, people that invested in me and that uh, that I think helped me get to where I am today. So yeah, a lot of a lot of people in my family in the church. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So growing up, you know, get away from faith for a moment. What I mean, I don't know if did you want to be a pastor when you grew up? Like, what did what did what did you want to do when you guys were growing up? Like, you know, childhood dreams. Ah, <sighs> okay. So tell the truth. I, yes, I know. I wanted to play basketball in the NBA, <laughs> and I'm not short, but I'm not tall like an NBA player, uh, and I have zero hops. So I have um, I don't know white man's disease, whatever they call that. Where I just can't jump very high, and um, was just not the most. I was okay, but uh, I. It, eventually realized this is never going to happen and I just have to come to grips with that uh, as much as I wanted to but I I love technology I love uh, video and and photography and all that stuff so I wanted to get into communications broadcasting and um, I had a buddy who was a cameraman for CBS and NBC and ESPN and um, he took me along on some of these things and actually let me sit in a live broadcast and touch buttons and cue the commercials and actually do stuff. And it was awesome. I was like, this is so cool. Um, but deep down in my heart, I always knew that I kind of had a calling to work with teenagers to uh, to be a youth pastor. So, yeah, rooted youth. <laughs> What's up? Uh, so, yeah, it was, but it was always... I always kind of ran away from that a little bit because that wasn't what I wanted to do. That's what I knew I was supposed to do, but that's not what I wanted to do. Hmm. Um, so I actually went to college and I was going to declare my statement or my scholarship undeclared as a major. I just didn't, but I had to declare something to get my scholarship. So I said, okay, youth ministry. And then I ended up doing that. And it was the best decision and the best thing I could have ever done. Cool. All right, Nick, how about you? From a very young age, all I ever wanted to be was a teacher. That's it. That's all I ever wanted to be. And then when I went to college, I decided I could be a missionary teacher. That would be fun. 
So I decided when I graduated college, I was going to go on the mission field. I actually knew a woman who uh, taught at a school in Saipan, which is kind of an island like near off the coast of Japan. And yeah, it was, they worked at an orphanage. And so I decided that's what I wanted to do when I graduated. But then I met Kevin and he, you know, ruined all my plans. So, <laughs> um, you know, I actually was like, I don't know if this is going to work out. She wants to go to Saipan. Saipan. I don't but, want to go to Saipan. But obviously gonna, it, well, it wasn't really meant to be at the time, but I've been very involved in missions over the years, and I still believe that maybe one day, maybe one day we'll there. be on the mission field. Let's something. take a trip to Saipan. All right, let's okay. do it. This is being recorded, correct? We will, we will get that in writing. All right, that's go. good. So um, when was, you know, obviously um, you come from little different backgrounds, but when was the first time, you know, and Kev, you mentioned a little bit, you know, that you kind of knew, but you were running from it. When was the first time that you guys would say that you kind of had a, an encounter with God where you were, where it went from being just like something you had heard about to something where you actually said, you know, for you, it was, it became part of your personal story rather than just somebody else's story. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when did God, you know, can, can you, did you have a moment like that? I did not have a moment like that. I think kind of like Anna was saying last week. I just remember always having a faith in God, always loving Jesus, always wanting to follow him and serve him. And I don't have any special moment where I had this experience that was life-changing for me, but it was just a consistent growth pattern through my life. Uh, So I was a pastor's kid, and if you know pastor's kids, they're either the best kids or the worst kids. Right? Can I get an amen? Oh, oh. Which nope. one are you? No, don't answer that one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's the he's best. The best. Uh, yes. But uh, I, I was actually a pretty good kid. Um, Sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> I am so tired right now. There's okay. squirrels I, see, running all over. See, I need the coffee. Over. That's there where are squirrels the, you take all over a second the stage. And you have the coffee. And um, Okay, so when I was seven years old, I went off on this tangent about PKs, and then I forgot where I was at. Um, but I was saying that because as a PK, um, I was around God. I was around church. I was around all that stuff all the time. And it's easy to just get, like, this is just what we do. It's routine, or you get burned on it, and which is why so many PKs are the worst, because they see... Yeah, this is God. We're supposed to worship God, but then they see people that don't reflect God, and it and it burns them. Um, so I saw all that, but I always knew that God was the right way. But at seven years old, um, and dude, I, I, we I didn't realize this until last week. Puppets. It was puppets, bro. <laughs> I was at a That's camp, pretty. and there were puppets. And was it Levin Duskies? Yeah. It was the Leventuskies. It was Sherry. Sherry and Gwabbit the Wabbit. Yes. Who got hit by a car and turned into Woad Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's really bad stuff. Yeah. yeah that's. Wow. So, the, so guys, you know, if you, don't, if you are weren't here last week, that was part of my story, which is really odd that we both came to, came to some sort of faith by a puppet. <laughs> don't question this church. Don't question the church. It's okay. We've come a long way. Uh, I need that tissue. Well, this is these puppets, are laughter tissues. Yeah, puppets. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I 
my dad actually came up to me after we saw the puppet show and <laughs> Sherry and um, Sherry the puppet, and he said, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And I'm like, okay. And then, all right, what does that mean? He's like, that means you, um, he's going to be the Lord of your life, and you follow what he wants you to do in your life. Um, but he will always take care of you and always guide you and always love you, and you'll always have his peace. And I'm like, this is good. This is a good thing. And so, yeah, seven years old, I accepted Christ. And um, I've been with him ever since. I kind of was a knucklehead at 15. <laughs> kind of walked away a little bit um, and realized that the world had nothing for me and um, saw the misery that were in my friends and my friends' families um, that didn't know Jesus. And so I'm like, why would I want that when I, have, when I can have Jesus? You know, and it was so, yeah. Yeah, since I was seven, I'd say. Cool. That's awesome. So what would you say, um, what's the hardest part about trusting God for you? You know, I mean, we've talked, obviously, you know, you've kind of had this journey of faith for you guys. It has, for both of you, started, you know, when you were young. But along the way, what's been the, the hardest part, you know, about trusting God? Giving away control, obviously. I mean, like, seriously, it's very hard for me um, to not want to work things out on my own and figure things out. And trusting God um, has been a struggle for me over the years. But I can think of an instance where I kind of overcame my state of wanting to control things and kind of realized, like, Everything is in God's hands. And when I was pregnant with Felicity, we had had our normal ultrasound. And we hadn't gotten the results back or anything. We just, you know, we found out we were having a girl and we were super excited. And then we actually went to our next doctor's appointment and he had not gotten the ultrasound results yet. So he's like, oh, let me go check in my office while you guys are leaving. You know, I'll go check and make sure I got them. And so we were walking out the door and he came back and was like, um, can you guys come back in? And it, right at that moment, I knew something was wrong. Like his face, just something was totally wrong. And so he sat down and he said that in the ultrasound results, they had found that Felicity had a cyst in her left lung. And it was so large that it had taken her heart and pushed it over to the other side of her chest. And from then on, we had, like, tons of doctor's appointments and ultrasounds, and we had to meet with the NICU, and they didn't know if she was going to be able to breathe on her own. They had this team of doctors all lined up that was going to be there when she was born. And But for some reason, I mean, and that's completely out of my control, and I, I could probably be a professional warrior because that's just something I'm very good at naturally. But... For some reason in that situation, and I feel like that's the first time in my life, and it's happened many times since, but that I was truly able to say, God, this is in your hands. I can't control this. This is your, you know, this is for you. And and I've experienced that peace that they talk about that passes all understanding. And through the whole pregnancy, the whole rest of the pregnancy, we had such a peace, and we knew that whatever happened, that God was in control and that the best was going to, you know, it was going to work out, and it did work out. She did end up 
um, being able to breathe on her own when she was born, and she did have to have surgery a few months later, but it was not the worst-case scenario, and her heart moved back, and, and she's perfectly fine today. But all of, and, and through all of that, I really learned to trust God, and that was probably the first time where I really felt like I really placed it in his hands and just said, and let it go, and really let him take control of that. Cool. Thank you, Nikki. I think the hardest part of trusting God is just um, <clears throat> getting out of the way of of just myself, you know, just uh, stopping what God wants to do and just letting go. Um, when I find when I'm, if I don't spend time with God, that I start to worry about a lot of things in the world and my job and um, money, where are we going to get this, how is this going to work out. Um, but when I spend time with God, reading the Bible on version, awesome app. If you don't have it, you need to get it. Um, or or just, just talking to God, just having a conversation with God. Um, I find when I do that, I don't worry and I trust him. And honestly, that, that line, he's never failed me yet. Here, it comes. Here come the tears. I'm telling you, every time, every time. We both got saved through puppets, but it doesn't, that's where the, that's where the connection stops. <laughs> I'm kidding. This is awesome. No, it's, it's, it's the power of God, man. It, it moves on you, and, and uh, for some it makes them shake. Some it makes them shout. Me, it makes me cry. Um, don't worry, Andre's a crier too. So yeah, I, I do. We got two against one. It's all right. um, I'll, I'll hold strong. But he has never failed me yet, and it's the truth. All through, all through life, there's been trials. There's been issues. Like I've been in seven car accidents. It never caused one. I never caused one. I've been hit. I just get hit all the time. Um, and and you know, felicity with that. And the twins, the twins were. Um, high risk, and, and there were some issues there. Emmeline wasn't breathing when she came out, and just other things like go down the line. Um, I've had such a blessed life, but we've had some trials, and just like everybody has. Um, but man, God has always been faithful, and it just comes down to me uh, letting go of the situation and just trusting God yeah. to handle it, and He always does. Yeah, and it. Always on time. Not how I'd want it, um, but he always works it out. That's it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I, I joke with Kevin, but it's because we have a, such a close friendship, just so you guys know, for those who may not know. Uh, actually, Kevin, Nikki, and I, we all went to college together uh, uh, 20 years ago. And uh, it's crazy that it was 20 years ago. Yeah, we went to college together. And uh, Kevin was in my wedding, like some of my best friends in the world. So I... I, I do joke with him, but I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Kevin. I want to make sure, like, these two are, there's no way Life Tree is even here. Anna and I could tell you that they, these two are some of the most incredible people on the planet, and we're just uh, infinitely grateful for who they are and the blessing that they are in our church. And uh, I'm going to still make fun of him when he cries, but I love him like a brother, so um, it's all right. Yeah. I'll get you back. That's your terrible towel. It's all right. That's right. Um, so yeah, me. you should have had a terrible towel. Come on, man. So uh, so here's a, ver- a question for you related to scripture verses. You know, as since you've grown up in faith, and I'm sure you've had 
Yeah, I know you've mentioned Uversion. If you don't know Uversion, it's just an app that you can download to read the Bible on your phone or tablet, and it's a it's a great app. Or hopefully, all our youth are using it. It's a really great thing. But um, is there a verse for you that you would say is a life verse or something that's really you know held some meaning for you through the years? There's something that you kind of come back to. It's like a, like an anchor. You know, Nikki, I love that quote that you said before about the anchors through the storm and things. Is there a verse for you that? Serves as the, either the anchor or you know a, a beacon of hope you know in the future just something. So uh, I see Nikki's got her Bible out. So go ahead, yeah. Um, mine is Proverbs three verses five and six. That's definitely my life verse. I actually used to sing a song about these verses when we toured uh, with our music group, and it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take." Yeah, and that's uh, I've heard Nikki sing that song over and over and over again. It's a it's a great song, but uh, that verse just about trusting. I can I can hear that theme, you know, throughout your story here. Kev, how about you? Uh, <clears throat> so I'm a big U2 fan, um, and they did a song called Forty. And uh, but even before I heard that song, which I absolutely love. Um, it's been Psalm 40, 1 through 3. It's kind of been my theme verse for life. And I love it because it, it tells, basically it sums up my whole life. Like, uh, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. And I love that because it's, it's the before and the, you know, it's like I was in, I was in a mud pit and our sin are just, just by nature, just by default, we're sinners. But God came and lifted me out and set me on solid ground and he put a new song into my mouth. Um, and that's, that's the, the joy and the hope that God gives us. It's that new song. And, uh, and then I love this part. It's the fruit. Many will see that song. They will hear that song. They will see the difference in your life. And they will put their trust in the Lord, too. And, and I just, I love it. It's been. Can you sing it? How long <laughs> to sing your song? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good song. It is. Um, so wrapping up here, just a few things, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna close today actually by by sharing communion uh, as a church, and uh, so uh, we'll explain that in a little bit. But you know, communion is is a story of of God. It really is. You know, as we're sharing our story today, it's the reason we 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 share communion is because God told us, you know, don't forget the story. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember the story of what of what He's about. You know, God's not about, again, it's not about the rules and the regulations and the laws. It's about, it's about his, his great love for us and, you know, his, his provision for us and, and things. And so we're, we're going to do that in a moment. Um, but I'm going to ask you to look really far into the future and say now, not your kids, not your grandkids, but your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids, you know, generations from now, what would you want to say to them about the God that you know? I think this question is so interesting because I read this passage of scripture a few weeks ago before we even knew that we were doing our story. 
and I journaled about these, this passage because I felt, and, and in the journaling I said, this is what I want generations after me to wow. know about me. Okay. And so it's Psalms 112, verses 6 through 9. It says, those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And that's what I want my great-great-grandchildren to believe about me. Cool. All right, I like that. Uh, for me, it's that the world has nothing for you. Just Jesus. It's the only hope. It's the only... Here we go. <laughs> it's the only way um, to find true happiness and hope and eternity. Yeah. There's so many things out there we can try, and they all end mm-hmm. in, in death, whether it's physical or spiritual death. Um, but... There's nothing like Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else like Jesus, and he's the only way. I mean, yeah. it's, that's it. Like The world has nothing for you. Yeah. Jesus is the way. That was a song, too. It is. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Yeah, okay, because you can sing it if you want. But I might. Um, all right, one last question. I'm going to invite the ushers, if they would, to prepare for a communion. But um, if you guys, your last chance now, for our congregation here, based on where, you know, you've, if, if for those who don't know, Kevin and Nikki started, you know, helped us start this church. We've been in this since since day one, and you've seen all the the, the growth that's happened, the change in our church, and even the community and in the world since we started. You know, the world's a different place now than it was in 2010. Um, you know, you get one shot. What would you say to just our church today? Is there anything on your heart? Like, what would you like to say to everybody who's here? You know, is there anything that you haven't said yet that you feel like you just want to encourage or speak to our? our church i just want to encourage you all just i i just pray that everybody leaves here today knowing that god loves you and that he's faithful and there's nothing that he's going to lead you to that he's not going to bring you through um he's just faithful we we have been through a lot like even i just most recently our house it took seven years to sell our house and it was such a big struggle but along the way god really worked and we saw his hand on it and there's just and, and we knew that we were being faithful to him by and obedient by coming to life tree and we knew that his hand was on the entire situation and just he is faithful if he brings you to something he's going to bring you through it um i think for for me i just want to say that um we are the church and you matter. I'm, I'm going to spew out the core values here. Um, what you do matters. I, I think that's one of the biggest lies that the enemy tries to tell us is that I, I don't matter. It doesn't matter what I do because I, I'm nobody. Who am I? But that couldn't be further from the truth. God wants you. And we need you to here at Life Tree to share God's love with people that don't know. People that are lost, people that are broken. Third time's charm. Patrick. <laughs>
Absolutely. Thank you, Kev. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.